Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Have you ever been browsing through old photo albums and seen a stranger holding you as a baby? Or heard an older relative mention someone's name and when you ask, they change the subject? Well, this is what we nosy people call the mysteries of family histories. I'm Sherry Maringo. This podcast is written and produced by me for Broom Closet Studios. My partner in storytelling is Vicki Bayless, author of Garden Club Secrets, Just a Little Southern, and many other books available through Christian Faith Publishing. For more information and to share your story, you can visit our Facebook page, The Mysteries of Family Histories, or visit www.broomclosetstudios.net. Like the song says, it was the 3rd of June and another sleepy, dusty Delta day when Billy Joe McAllister jumped off the Tallahatchie Bridge. But in this mystery, it was the 10th of June, 1950, when Rosie Mae Wolf and her daughter Sadie drove through a guardrail into a ravine below in a sleepy, dusty Delta town. Welcome to episode 11 of the Mysteries of Family Histories. I'm Sherry Maringo, along with my co-host Vicki Bayless. How are y'all? Doing good. And this mystery kind of has two parts. We've mentioned before that there are stories that we've heard all of our lives that may or may not be the truth, but not the whole truth. Right. You know how we all remember things a certain way. And we can, the more that we tell the story, the more that it changes and it morphs just a little. Just a little. Details get a little foggy as you get older. And then there's always that, wow, did that really happen or did I dream that? Right. (laughs) Or did I see that in a movie? Or read it in one of Vicky's books. Right. So that's kind of where we are with this mystery. Um, I don't know. Do you have any connection at all to the people in the Delta? I don't think so. Mm-mm, I don't think so. So all of your people are still in the southern part of the state? Yeah. None of them came over from England recently? Recently, no. <laughs> <laughs> now I can't account for the great, 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 great. You know, some somebody had to come from somewhere since I'm kin to the queen, that's what we've heard. That's right. See, now that is either the whole truth or part of the truth or you dreamed it. I, d- I don't know. But this is kind of interesting because this episode has been inspired by my mother-in-law. She's been known to all the our family and everybody else's Mickey. Uh, her birth name was Myrtle Lee. But of course, Mamaw Mickey was who she was to our family. And she's been telling us these two stories her whole life. And I decided several years ago that, well, it's time to kind of go delving a little deeper and to find out if it's the whole truth or if it's a version of the truth or if it was, again, something that she made up. That's right. Um, Because for the longest time, you know, we didn't have access to Ancestry.com or or even access to newspapers from the 40s, maybe even from the 30s. So it's taken a little time for me to... uh, to do some of that searching and whatnot. And you never know what's going to come out of your mother's mouth. I mean, I had to go around telling people that I do not work for the CIA. <laughs> when she told everybody, you don't you work for the government? No, mom, I don't. I don't. Never have. 
<laughs> you just wear that hat that says Lamar County Sheriff's Office. Right. Gotcha. Well, before we get to the first half of this mystery, let me take you back to the 1930s in the Mississippi Delta. Honestly, most people in the Delta were, well, they were either dirt poor or they worked for farmers who grew cotton and probably some vegetables, too. A young woman named Rosie Mae Kendall married a man named Roy Scribner, and they had three daughters. Mary, who was born in 1931, Myrtle, born in 1933, and Sadie, who was also known as Sandy as she got older. I'm not sure how that changed. I was born in 1935. Myrtle is my husband's mother, and from here on, we're just going to call her Mickey and just leave it at that. So Rosie and Roy lived near a little town called Casilla, a teeny tiny town that's in Tallahatchie County. It's six miles south of Charleston, the county seat, and the six counties in this piece of history are kind of like a jigsaw puzzle, and we'll post those pictures on our Facebook page. Sunflower to the west of LaFleur, Tallahatchie to the north, we've got Yalabusha, and Grenada sharing the border. And as it was in most southern farm areas in the 30s, many of the kids barely got through high school. Some of them didn't even get to high school. The girls got by, and about by age 14, Mickey had married Carl Moore. He was a tractor mechanic. And by 15, she had a baby girl named Lillian Faye, who was born December 7, 1947. I cannot imagine being married at 14. Mm-mm. I had a cousin that was married. I'm going to take that back. She was an aunt. She got married to her first husband at 13. Wow. Kind of a Jerry Lee Lewis kind of thing. I mean, can you imagine? <laughs> Only in the movies, but no. Uh, and I can't imagine having a child as a young teenager, no. you know, like 14 years old or so, because... I was 21 when I had my first one, and I still didn't know what to do with it. Exactly. I still had to have somebody come and show me how to pick it up and change it and feed it. And, exactly. And then when it cried, I was like, can you take it back? Yeah. Here, <laughs> take this. And I mean, that was almost 22 at the time. So it, it's, it's interesting how things happen in those kind of ways and those kind of days. And when Mickey was about 16 and Faye was about 18 months old, her husband, Carl Moore, was murdered. Just 19. That is so young. I mean, I don't know the circumstances, but that's just young. It is. So at age 19, Carl Moore was murdered. He had that left Mickey as a widow at 16 and baby Faye without a dad at 18 months. Goodness. I know. It's harsh. But this is the story she's always told us. She has entirely, her entire life told our family that she was with Carl at the time, and she witnessed this happening. And it happened in a field, and there were some other details. I think she just embellished as time went on, but that's not exactly true. The incident was described by a reporter for the Greenwood Commonwealth newspaper in this article that appeared August 12, 1949. Sheriff E.C. Stratton said today at noon that 25-year-old Carl Moore was shot and killed this morning by young Otis Stevens on the J.H. Wolfe place west of Burclair. A 38 caliber revolver was the death weapon. The sheriff said that both had been at odds for some time and after a lengthy conversation this morning it resulted in the fatal shooting. According to the officer, Stevens took a revolver belonging to J.H. Wolf and shot Moore, the bullet entering the left side of his back and it came out through his left lung. Moore fell forward on his face with his right hand clutching the wound in his chest. He died shortly afterward 
Local law enforcement officers were summoned to the scene, and as they were traveling near Fort Pemberton, they met Stevens driving a tractor toward Greenwood. The officers, Deputy Sheriff Shanks and Smith, stopped the car, picked up Stevens, who told them that he was on his way to town to give himself up. Stevens was brought to the county jail where he is being held for further investigation. Details as to the nature of the controversy or Stevens' motives are not yet available. This was all written in this one article in 1949. That's pretty detailed. Yeah. I guess back then that they really did, they really did like want to get all the information out. Of course, now we have the internet and there's nothing secret, but back then all they have was the newspaper. I'd never heard of Berkeley. A lot of these little towns I've never heard of. Berkeley is a really small town. It's about halfway between Greenwood and Indianola, Mississippi, which of course is home to the B.B. King Museum. And that's about two and a half hours south of Memphis. And their claim to fame, of course, is that is the B.B. King birthplace. So here's a 16-year-old widowed with a toddler. And this is a hot, dusty summer in the Delta. So can you imagine how badly she would want to leave home for greener pastures? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But you know what's missing in this article? I give up. It didn't say that there was a witness, uh, as that she was a witness to it. Mm-mm. It did not. The wife. Nope. She was not even there when it happened. Hmm. So that was mystery number one cleared up from the story that she's been telling us. And, a, and it was in the shot in the back. I know. That's terrible, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So they must have gotten into an argument and he just ran off. Yeah. But then they got the age wrong, I think, um, because they said that Carl Moore was 25. When I think Otis Stevens was actually the one that was 25. Because oh, Carl, I didn't catch that. Yeah. Yeah. Carl, Carl was 19. 19. Yeah. And we mentioned before that some folks would wait days, sometimes a week or two, before they'd have a funeral. Well, that was not the case with Carl Moore because it was the very next day. Goodness. So tell us what it says in the obituary. Funeral services will be held this afternoon at 3 o'clock for Carl Hampton Moore, 19, of Berkeley. Rites will be conducted by Reverend R.A. Tullis at Bethel Church near Holcomb with burial in the church cemetery. Williams and Lloyd are in charge. Young Moore was shot and killed yesterday at Berkeley by Otis Stevens. He had lived at Berkeley this past year where he was a tractor mechanic. While in Greenwood, he worked for Southern Glass Company. He was a native of money. He is survived by his wife, Mrs. Myrtle Wolf Moore, and a daughter, Gwendolyn Faye Moore, also his parents, Mr. and Mrs. W.C. Moore. Now, Money, Mississippi, really is another small town on the railroad line that runs along the Tallahatchie River. The population of Money at its peak would have been about 400, and that's when the cotton mill ran. And that would have been probably in the late 40s, early 50s, since this was 1949. So now Mickey's name was Myrtle Wolf Moore. So evidently her mother and Roy Scribner were no longer together and Rosie had married J.H. Wolf. This is the man who owned the farm and who owned the pistol that was used in Carl Moore's murder. The girls took his last name. Now, the murder of Carl Moore wouldn't be the only tragedy in Mickey's young life. The second half of the story occurred only 11 months later with another untimely death. Wow. Can you imagine the gossip going on at the church? <laughs> or down at the feed and seed? Probably at the feed and seed, it'd be more yeah. like it. Yeah, there's a whole lot of really small, teeny tiny towns up in the Delta that they're, they're more like communities as opposed to towns. But of course, Indianola has the claim to fame for B.B. King. And then you've got Cleveland, which is 
uh, Delta State, and that's the Mississippi Grammy Museum now. Mm. So we're going to get into the second tragedy here in just a second. So hang out. Hey, on our Facebook page, I've posted a few pictures that connect to this episode, so go take a look. And as part of my role as the keeper of the family photos and part of my research efforts, it's really important to not only have them organized, but also journaled with information. I use Creative Memory scrapbooking products exclusively for all my albums. I'm most proud of my Heritage album. The first picture is my three times great-grandfather and his son and grandchildren, one of whom is my great-grandmother. And we think this picture was taken in 1915. And it's also the image of this podcast. The Creative Memories system makes it easy to create beautiful pages that accent your precious black and white photos of your family. And trust me, journaling is vital to these pictures for the generations to come. It's never too late to preserve the past. See how easy it is at creativememories.com. Maybell Pickett was known for one thing and one thing only, gossip. If you wanted to know anything about anybody in the town of Depot, Mississippi, all you needed to do was sit on her front porch and rock a spell. Depot's Garden Club was a group in plain sight and yet invisible at the same time. Whether you needed a cup of sugar, fashion advice, or help burying a body, you could always count on these women to keep the town running smoothly. Hi, I'm Vicki Bayless. You can get your own copy of Garden Club Secrets, available online at Amazon.com or Booksamillion.com. Or if you're down south, stop into Main Street Bookstores downtown Hattiesburg or Bookstore in the Window downtown Laurel. If you want to know what I'm doing tomorrow, catch me on Facebook, Vicki Bayless. Thanks, y'all. All right, so the second story that Mickey always told us was that she was with her mother, Rosie, when there was a car accident and her mother died. So again, yes and no. Yes, there was an accident, and it was a pretty scary one. And yes, Rosie wouldn't live through, but Mickey was not even around when it happened. Remember back in the day, you could learn a lot from an obituary. So this is Rosa May Wolf's announcement from the Greenwood Commonwealth newspaper in Mississippi, published June 12, 1950. Graveside services were held this afternoon at Ellett Cemetery near Casilla for Mrs. D.H. Wolf of Moorhead, who died at the Greenwood LaFleur Hospital Saturday afternoon from injuries received in a car wreck near Money that morning. Reverend D.L. Young officiated the rites. Williams and Lord were in charge of arrangements. Miss Wolf and her daughter, Miss Sadie Wolf, were in a pickup truck which ran off the Bayou Bridge just north of Money. Mrs. Wolf was driving and lost control, knocking down the guardrail and plummeting into the deep ditch below. The daughter was not seriously hurt. A Wilson and Knight ambulance brought the injured woman to the hospital. Mrs. Wolf was a resident of Greenwood until about two years ago when the family moved to Moorhead. She was a Baptist. She leaves her husband, J.H. Wolf of Moorhead, two other daughters, Mrs. Mary Turner of Money and Mrs. Myrtle Wilson of Biloxi. So did you catch that? Yeah. Okay. So Bayou Bridge was mentioned, but there was no water. It was just a ravine. Sadie, a.k.a. Sandy, would have been about 15 at the time of this accident. And there is no record of her injuries, but she had a lot of mental issues most of the rest of her life. Probably 
maybe head trauma, traumatic brain injury is what we call it now. Um, And probably just the whole frightening situation of going off a bridge in a truck with your mom and then your mom not making it. Well, now these things really jumped out at me. Mary, the oldest daughter, was married and still living in the small town. But Mickey was now Mrs. Myrtle Wilson of Biloxi. Who's Wilson? Right? What? So that was less than 10 months after the murder of her husband. She's a 16-year-old new bride living on the beautiful sunny beaches of Mississippi. But who was Mr. Wilson? And that's the other part of this story. We still don't know who Mr. Wilson is. But there was a Wilson and Knight ambulance that came to the accident. So was that part of it hmm. and like i said well no she wouldn't have been she wouldn't have been there so That's right. she, she was already there. gone she was in she's in Biloxi. Mm-hmm. so the mystery deepens hmm. we're going to take a quick break for some sponsor info and we'll be right back with more of the podcast the mysteries of family histories Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm going to run this timeline again. Myrtle Lee was born in the Delta, April 1933. She had a baby girl named Lillian Faye in December of 1947. Her husband, Carl Moore, was murdered at age 19 in August of 1949. Less than a year later, her mother died as a result of an auto accident. At that time, Mickey was remarried and living in Biloxi, Mississippi. In the obituary notice for her mother, Rosa May, they said they were transported by a unit from Wilson and Knight, and could this be a key to the mysterious Mr. Wilson? Hmm. Hmm. Now, when she got to Biloxi, at that time, it was just the beginning of what they called the Strip. It was almost like what we now term as the Redneck Riviera. But in 1949, it was probably just starting out um, as like a touristy place to go. There was no, um, there were no casinos. There were no strip clubs. It was, well, there might have been. I don't know when the Dixie Mafia got started, but this would have been well before all of that. So the only really good jobs down there at that time would have been either working at one big giant hotel resort area or another. There were two. There was the beautiful Edgewater on the beach. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, Yeah, the Edgewater. And then there was um, the Buena Vista. She worked at the Edgewater. She met her future husband, Al, when he was working at the Buena Vista. He cut quite a figure back then as a very tall, lanky Italian which um, pretty much describes the guy that I married. <laughs> so, so there was this whole complete culture change for a teenage widow who needed to get away from this in the Delta. And the complete opposite of that is living on the beach. Oh, yeah. And so that's where she went. That's where she ended up with a baby. And then she married Al Marengo. And then they had three sons. But where's Wilson? We have no idea. Where's Scribner? We have no idea. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's still two pieces of the puzzle that we can't quite figure out. Well, at the, at the beginning of this, whenever I started putting all of this together and trying to, to get all of the details, 
it's been several years, but then in the last three years, Mickey was diagnosed with dementia and it just, it was a very rapid downfall from there. Mm. Um, at the time that I finished writing all of this and getting all my notes together, she was 87 and basically in the later stages of dementia, but she passed away just a few weeks ago in September. And even if she could have told us anything, there would be no guarantee that what she was telling us was fact or what right. she believed. Because right. when you get into the hard throes of dementia, sometimes you go back to your childhood. She, mis- she mistook her sons several times for her father oh. when she was in that, you know, the last few days of her life. But um, she does have a sister, Mary, who is still alive and living in Louisiana, not necessarily interested in digging up any of this mess. And their sister, Sandy, passed away many, many years ago. Faye still lives in Alabama, and that is a completely new story for a completely some other day, not this day. Wow. That's the way that we managed to, to decipher two of these mysterious stories that we had heard our whole lives. Again, the Delta holds some very interesting conversation the obituaries i know they tell everything and if anybody out there needs to know you know a little bit more about your family or maybe who was the you know who was the pallbearer who did the service you know where's your person buried i have access now to be able to find that so you can just hit us up on our facebook page and we'll be glad to look that stuff up for you i did want to mention that on the next episode we've got one of our local friends she's pretty famous in South Mississippi. And she found out, um, she, I think she basically knew her whole life that she was adopted. And oh. in the last 10 years or so has really been working hard to find a brother that she knew was out there somewhere. Oh, goodness. Yeah. And so in the process of looking for said brother, accidentally found a sister. Oh, wow. So it's an interesting turn of events but it's also a very weird family dynamic that's happening now and she wants to talk about it so yeah we're going to do that on episode 12 but that's pretty much it for the delta mystery and uh ode to billy joe is of course one of my favorite songs ever so this was the ode to mickey myrtle hey <laughs> thanks vicky you're welcome and, enjoyed um, it we're going to be doing more of the podcast episodes and taking a lot more calls from people and we're doing the show um, on wabo fm out of waynesboro mississippi Mondays, 4 to 6 p.m. Central Time. So if you are more interested in just listening to the radio station and calling in, you can listen at WABO105.com, and we'll put that information on our Facebook page, too. All right, wrapping up this mystery for this family history. Say bye. Bye. I'm Sherry Maringo. This podcast is written and produced by me for Broom Closet Studios with my partner in storytelling, Vicki Bayless, author of Garden Club Secrets and many other books available through Christian Faith Publishing. For more information, visit our Facebook page, The Mysteries of Family Histories. To share your story or ask about assistance with your family mystery, you can email familymysterypodcast at gmail.com. The Mysteries of Family Histories podcast is copyright 2018 by Broom Closet Studios. For more information, visit www.broomclosetstudios.net. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.